0: Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Jared Neen, pastor of Abundant Living Faith Center. If you have your Bible, turn turn your Bible to Philippians 4. As we're continuing this series that we started two weeks ago called The Missing Piece, uh, this week we'll be continuing it and concluding it next week. As I've told you every week, this is a very personal uh, series for me, and it has become very personal for many of you. The series is born out of what I call a frustration, and that is is that I speak to so many Christians who live where peace is missing in their heart or mind. And they live frustrated by anxiety, depression, worry, being overstressed, overburdened. They live in shame or guilt or regret, but then they open up their Bible or they come to church or they watch people on TV and they hear that God is a God of peace. They hear that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. They hear scriptures like the one I quoted when we prayed and we'll look at it again. They hear scriptures about casting your cares upon the Lord and stuff like that, but then in their own life, peace is missing. And there becomes this frustration in the fact that we hear about peace, but then why don't I have it? And I believe that is born out of a misunderstanding of what peace is. And so we're gonna review a little bit today. As many of you know, the moment Jesus was born, by command of our Heavenly Father, a multitude of angels proclaimed and declared a thing onto the earth. And what was it that they proclaimed? They said, And from now on, there is peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Peace and goodwill. I've told you in the last couple weeks, I'll tell you again, I'll tell you again. Going forward, I, I will say this, that this revelation will become something that we visit and expand on for many years to come. I have only scratched the surface of this revelation this month, but we will dig deeper into it. Kind of like the revelation of grace and the revelation of faith that our church revisits time and time again. This is one of those, and it will be in our church. But you need to understand that when the angel declared there is peace on earth toward men, that word toward in the literal text says, and it is there to stay, and there is nothing that can remove it. What that means is that you in your past, your present and your future, no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what you may do, you cannot change the reality that God is pouring out his peace onto your life. And even in your worst moment, even in your worst behavior, even in the darkest of times, from your heavenly father to you is peace and goodwill. And there's nothing you can do, there's nothing the world can do to change God's mood toward you and what he declared. And he declared to you peace and goodwill. So then why is it missing? If he declared it, I don't know about you, I want it. Told you the last couple weeks, I've lived in turmoil and I've lived in peace and peace is way better than turmoil. I've lived in the darkness, I've lived in the light, and I really like the light better than the darkness. So if God has declared peace, then I want to have an understanding of how to build peace into my life so I can live in what God declared for me. So then that begs the question, what is peace? See, I believe that the reason we don't have peace, so many people don't have peace, is because we don't truly understand what it is, and then we don't understand how to arm ourselves with it. So the first thing is, we need to get the understanding of what the peace of God is. I put the definitions on one card in a, in a summary for you. We're gonna put it up on the screen. These are the five major definitions of what the peace of God is in the Bible. The first one is is that you have tranquility in your heart and mind. Tranquility, calmness, peace in your heart and mind that arises from having reconciliation with Jesus Christ. What does it mean to be reconciled? What it means to be reconciled is that you owe nothing to God. Jesus paid the price on the cross so that you can stand right with him. And he balanced the books. He balanced the ledger. He paid the balance, so that you now have a zero balance between, with, God, with your heavenly Father. You now know, owe nothing from God. Jesus was made poor so you could have peace. Jesus was made sick so that you could be healed. Jesus was made lack so that you could be well supplied. Jesus bore the sin and shame of the world so that you did not have to pay for the sin and shame of your life. Jesus paid the price. And on the cross, he said, it is paid in full and you can wake up every morning and go to bed every night with tranquility in your heart and mind, knowing that you now have no shame, no regret, your sins are washed away. But listen to me. So many Christians have turmoil in their spirit because of what happened in the past. And you're carrying a burden that you don't have to carry. See, the world says shame on you. But Jesus bore shame on the cross, and Jesus says, shame no more. So which report are you gonna accept? Are you gonna wear a robe of shame? Or are you going to take that burden off and leave it in the house of God and say to yourself, if Jesus bore my shame, then I accept what he bore and shame no more. I will not live in the regret of what happened five years ago or six years ago or 20 years ago or maybe two weeks ago. I'm not going to live in regret. I'm not going to live in turmoil. I'm not going to let that darkness come into my life. I'm not going to let it ruin me as a father, as a a husband. I'm not going to let it destroy my family. I'm not going to let what happened years ago, the failures, the mistakes and sin of my past robbed me from the peace that Jesus gave me. And I will go to bed at night with peace in my mind and in my heart because Jesus paid the price and I don't have to, which allows you to then live in the second definition and that is living with a divine sense of favor with God. And what is God's favor? God's favor is his grace. His grace is his undeserved, unmerited, unearned Favor from God and with God. It is also His divine empowerment on your life. Romans 5.17 says that every child of God lives with an abundance of grace. It says in the word that His grace is sufficient for you. And because you have peace with God, He pours out His favor onto your life. And every day of your life, you can wake up with a sense of knowing God's not against me, no, his favor is for me. His favor is gonna meet me at work today. His favor's already in the meeting I'm gonna have. His favor is in my living room with my family. His favor is on the freeway with me. His favor abounds towards me, and it is sufficient for me in every situation of my life. And it goes on to say that in my weakness, his power is made strong. And it gives you an amazing sense because you know that greater is Jesus Christ who lives on the inside of you than he who is in the world. And you understand that there is nothing the world can bring against your life that is greater than the power that God has placed on the inside of you. And through his grace, he gives you the power and the strength to overcome any obstacle that may come your way. And so you live in peace, not in fear, not in anxiety. No, because you know God's on your side and you're going to overcome. Do you know that God likes to show off in your weakness? Amen. Have you ever thought of it that way? It says, when, when you are weak, my power is perfected. You know it's true. I bet you every single one of you have gotten through things you never thought you'd get through. And all you did was say, Lord, get us through this. And you took one more step. You got through one more day. You tried one more time. And all you did was say, Lord, you got to help. And sure enough, a few weeks, a couple months later, you look back and went, hey, we made it. God gave us the strength. We got through it. Why? Because when you are weak, he is strong. When you are confused, his wisdom abounds. When you are hurt, he restores. See, God likes to show up when you feel weak. When you don't have the power on your own, his power is perfected. Amen? Why? Because you have peace with him. And that comes from the third definition, and that is that the moment Jesus was was born, the angels declared, and from now on for my children, there is health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. Health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. Health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. So if it's not good, it's not from God. And you fight what's well, not good and you stand for what God has poured out in your life. Why? Because if it's not good, God's favor is with you and His His divine sense of, His divine empowerment is on your life and when you are weak He will give you the strength to overcome it. Why? Because God is good and He has poured out His good onto your life and you will not live in lack because He has said you are prosperous. You will not live a bad life because He has declared you will live in welfare. You will not live sick and broken in your heart, your mind, your body. Why? Because He has declared that there is healing for you. And it comes from his peace. And then the fourth and fifth definitions, of course, are that God is not mad at you. He poured out his wrath onto Jesus on the cross and nothing you can do can change that and that he is the God of all blessing. So when the Bible says that God opened the windows of heaven and poured out his blessing onto your life, what he is saying is, is that he poured out his peace, his tranquility, his favor, his health, welfare, prosperity, his good things, and all his promises, all 7,000 of his promises have been poured out to you. And Jesus says that all his promises are yes and amen for his children. Amen. That is the peace of God. Philippians 4, have you found it? Man, if you haven't, Verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Verse six, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Now, I've intentionally left out those two scriptures and those are what we're gonna look at next week. Next week is the conclusion of this series and it is definitely the icing on the cake. But it's more than just the icing. It's also like the three or four scoops of ice cream that you have with the cake. You know what I'm saying? And if you're a Neiman, you go like five, six, maybe seven scoops. Like, I want want an abundance of grace and ice cream. (laughs) So you got to come next week. Verse seven, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In John 16, verse 33, Jesus said, I've spoken to you these things so that in me you may have peace. In me, Jesus said, you have tranquility, you have grace, you have health, welfare, prosperity. I'm not mad at you, and in Jesus, you have all blessing. He says, in me, you will have peace. In the world, you'll have trouble. Then he says, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Last week, we talked about guarding our hearts. The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of your life. I told you. That every day of your life there is a battle going on between the Lord and our enemy to, for to rule your heart, but the battle is not necessarily for your heart, the battle's for your life because guard your heart for out of it flows the issues of your life and you got to guard your heart and Jesus says or, or the, Jesus says in Philippians four that the peace of God will guard your heart, but we must guard it, and also we must take heart. You know, it's easy to lose heart. It's easy, just a couple disappointments, a couple failures, a couple mistakes, somebody turns their back on you, relevant passes away, so tragedy strikes. And it's easy to lose heart. Is there an area of your life that maybe you've lost heart? could be even in your mind. Maybe you've lost heart and accepted that panic and anxiety are going to rule your life. Maybe you've lost heart in your physical well-being. You've just given in. Maybe you've lost heart on your job. you got a jerk boss. And they're not cool, man. And they've mistreated you and abused you and wronged you. And you've lost heart. Maybe in your marriage, maybe as a parent, you've lost heart. But Jesus says you've got to take it back. And don't live half-hearted. Don't live growing weary and frustrated. Don't live lost. You have to guard your heart, because out of your heart comes the issues of your life. So I encourage you to take heart once again, because it will determine your, the course of your life. But then it says, to guard your heart and your mind. How many of you know your mind is a powerful thing? I looked it up. It says that the average human thinks between fifty to 70,000 thoughts a day. Now, full disclosure, I am pretty sure that you ladies are pulling that number up. (laughs) Because I'm telling you right now, I don't get anywhere near 70,000 thoughts a day. I'm pretty sure I don't get to 50,000. You ladies have got to be pulling the number way up. I mean, I can't tell you how many times Carla and I are sitting there at night, kids are asleep, and she will look at me with her beautiful brown eyes and she'll say, Jared, what are you thinking? (laughs) And I will look at her with a total bewildered look on my face in full transparency and honesty, and say to her, Carla, nothing. (laughs) And she will look at me and say, how is it that you're thinking about nothing? (laughs) And I will look back at her and say, Carla, I'm not hiding anything from you. I was literally thinking about nothing. Of course, now I'm kind of thinking about how I was thinking about nothing. But I was really just thinking about nothing. Ladies, can I tell you something? Your husband is perfectly capable of sitting on that couch and thinking about absolutely nothing. And when you ask him, he ain't lying to you. He's not trying to hide something. He wasn't thinking about Donna from work. He was thinking about nothing. Can I get an amen from the fellas? Side note, this has nothing to do with this teaching. Look, can, guys, can I just help a little more? <laughs> Ladies, yes, we want to watch Sports Center to watch the highlights of the game we just watched. <laughs> and yes, when Sports Center's over, we want to watch Sports Center again. Because they change the announcers and sometimes those guys are funnier. And so, yeah, we want to watch it again. It's better than HGTV. Amen. What does that have to do with Jesus? Nothing. 50,000 thoughts a day. I wrote down here, the steady flow of thinking is a thick filter between our thoughts and our feelings, our heads and our hearts. Did you know that life and death, peace and turmoil rests on what is in your heart and mind? Let me explain it to you. Whatever your predominant thought is will become the issue of your heart. Right? What you focus your mind on ultimately will become the issue of your heart. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You want to know what else the Bible says about your mouth? Life and death is in the power of what? Your tongue. Starts in your mind, gets in your heart, comes out of your mouth. Well, Jared, I don't really believe that life and death is in the power of the tongue. Okay. For real? You don't believe that? Because you know that walking out of this church today, you could look at your husband and say something and you can ruin the rest of the day in 30 seconds. Amen. Amen. And depending on how far you go with it, you might not just ruin today, you can ruin tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday we'll still be fighting about what happened in the parking lot of ALFC. All because of your words life and death have power words have power life and death is in the power of your tongue it starts in your mind it gets into your heart comes out of your mouth and that's why the bible says that guard your heart for out of it flows the issues of your life why because there's power in your words and out of your heart your mouth speaks right the mind is so powerful it is so powerful you can talk yourself in and out of almost anything. Amen? Have you ever been driving home and argued yourself into something? Have you ever had the fight you wish you could have with your spouse in your head? Have you ever replayed the argument you just lost, but in your head you won? You know what I'm saying? Oh, if only I had said this. You know what I'm saying? The mind is so powerful. Many of you know I've told you my testimony before I overcame addiction out of college. I used to chain smoke uh, 12, 13 years, something like that. So in that process, I studied it a little bit. If you know anything about it, you know, nicotine is like the third hardest thing to break the addiction. Uh, it's only I think meth and heroin are number one and two, and then nicotine. And, um, but did you know, they have proven that within 72 hours, your body's not addicted to nicotine? Except that we all know people have tried to quit smoking, and they'll make it a week, and then they, right? But in 72 hours, so if you quit on Friday by Monday... Your body's not addicted. Guess where the problem is? You ever lost control of your mind? You ever laid in bed at night and one thing someone said to you during the day, and when the lights go out, man, you know what I'm saying? You went to bed in peace and you laid in bed and now you crazy. Because you, your mind can go places and convince yourself just about anything. And then it becomes what's in your heart. And it'll come out of your mouth. And what comes out of your mouth, let's tell the truth, is your faith. Why? Because faith is believing and speaking. And what is your believing? It's what's in your heart. Out of your heart, you speak. So you speak life or death. So we must win the battle of our minds to protect our hearts so that God's peace can be there. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, we're going to put it on the screen. It says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, for God has not given us fear, but he has given us power, love, and a sound mind. So the first thing I want you to see is that God has not given you a spirit of fear, and that includes all of fear's cousins. Panic, worry, anxiety, burden, stress, shame, doubt, unbelief, the banner is fear, and all those things fit within the banner of fear. And you need to understand something, though. As a child of God, listen to me. If God has not given you something, you don't have to accept it. And you need to get indignant about your life and determine that you are only going to accept what God has given you, and you are going to reject what he has not given you. But the world wants to get into your mind to get you to accept what God has not said about your life. And God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. And so if he didn't give it to you, you can say no to it. And you can overcome it, why? Because what he did give you is power. And what is the power of God? The power of God is his faith. Amen? And the Bible says in the Message Bible, it says that faith is the overcoming power that brings the world to its knees. And through the faith of God, you experience the victory that Jesus paid for on the cross. And that acceptance of that power gives you peace in your mind because you won't live in fear because you know that you have victory. You know you can overcome. You know that you'll be strong. You know his wisdom is with you. You know his favor is with you because your faith overcomes the attack of the enemy and you say no to the fear because he has not given it to you. You can reject it. And then it says he gave you love. And the definition there is that it is the perfect love of Jesus Christ that, listen to me, that drives out fear, panic, and turmoil. Isn't that nice? So when you rest in the fact that the perfect love of Jesus has been given to you, you know that he's on your side. You know that your faith overcomes. And so panic, turmoil, and fear begin to get rooted out of your heart and mind. Amen? But listen, then it says, and I gave you a sound mind. And here's where we really need to pay attention. The definition of sound mind there means this. Listen, to discipline and to correct in order to maintain sound judgment. Now, isn't that something It says, to discipline and to correct. So that means that we have to play a part in this. So the Bible says, guard your heart, and then it says you must discipline your mind. So here's the thing about discipline. Discipline's hard, right? Especially when you're thinking about your mind and all 70,000 of those thoughts. The other thing about discipline is discipline is not momentary. Discipline is permanent. And if you want to win the battle for your mind, which ultimately controls your heart, which ultimately controls the issues of your life, you must learn to discipline your mind. It's hard. It's amazing, right? You come, you get all inspired. Doctor tells you, you need to start eating better. So you start eating better. But then, you show up on Monday to work. You got your little Tupperware of lettuce and grilled chicken, asparagus made with no butter. Yay, because that tastes so good. And then back to Donna from accounting. She brings donuts. Why'd you bring donuts, Donna? And all you can think about now is the donuts. (laughs) And they're in the break room. And part of you is praying and believing that everybody else is eating all the donuts. But you know they haven't. Because you can still smell them. And my God, Krispy Kreme smells good when all you've been eating is lettuce. (laughs) And you're sitting in your office. And your mind can't even work because you're thinking about that glaze going down your throat. It is so beautiful. (laughs) The other day, my sister made brownies. And if you work here, you've heard about Shannon's brownies. I'm telling you, on the back of the box, it says uh, ingredients. It doesn't even have the ingredients. It just says straight from Jesus. (laughs) They're that good. She made them the other day. And all anybody could talk about in my office was Shannon brought brownies. And I'm in my office, I'm like, I rebuke you, devil. I rebuke you. I'm walking by. Hey. I'm being a little ridiculous, you know what I'm saying? But it's crazy how that happens, right? In your mind, man, your mind just, and it can go. It can go we got to learn to discipline it. It's difficult, but it's necessary. Now, here's how we do it. 2 Corinthians 10. We're going to put it on the screens. It says here, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of what? Strongholds. Just leave the scripture up there, guys. Thank you. Now, the first thing you need to understand is that the world system, in all of its negativity, its cynicism, its hatred, its bigotry, its racism, its foolishness, its craziness, its doubt, its unbelief, all of the world system is designed to get strongholds into your your mind. What do I mean by that? It is designed to get you to accept a reality in your mind that is not in line with what God says about you. It is designed to get you to say, I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, our family is broken, our family is depressed, I will live this way. And it's just trying to get you to step out of God's faith given for you and to accept unbelief towards what God says about your life. And it wants to put a stronghold in your mind so that you won't walk in the faith God gave you, amen? Put the scripture back up, guys. So we need to understand that's the end game. But here's how it happens. It says, by casting down arguments, an argument is a contradiction, and it says it is theories, reasonings, and imagination. So it says, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and listen, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus. Listen, and being ready. So here's where it comes to us. We must be ready to punish the disobedience until your obedience is fulfilled. And that there, my family, is where discipline comes into your mind. You must understand that if you really want to get the peace of God in your life and live in his tranquility and live in a sense of favor and well-being that is even beyond comprehension, that every day of your life you must be disciplined enough to punish the thoughts that exalt itself against the word of God. So when the thought says that you're weak, you say, no, I am strong. When the thought says we can't do it, you say, no, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. When you're willing, to, starting to step out in faith and the thoughts come, how are we gonna do this? Where's the provision gonna come from? You remind your mind that God says he will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. And when you feel like a failure, you remind your mind, you punish the failing thought and you declare I'm the head and I am not the tail. I'm above, I am not a failure. But you have to listen. You must discipline your mind so that strongholds don't get built up to where you step out of the faith that God has for you because it is faith that gives you the victory. And the Bible says that the just shall live by faith and that we walk by faith and not by sight. And you have to remind yourself, you have to pour into your mind what Jesus says about your life. It happened to Eve. Right at the beginning of the Bible, it happened to Eve. Her and Adam are there. They're in the garden, it's all beautiful, walking with God every day. And God says, you can have everything here. I put all these animals here, you have dominion over there. them. They are here to serve you, all these trees, except that one. There's the donuts. <laughs> Thanks, Donna. If your name is Donna here, I hope you know I love you. (laughs) And also, there is no Donna that works at Abundant Living Faith Sitters Accounting Department, okay? I don't know where that name came from. It just happened. There's that tree. And the devil comes. And God has said to them, you can have all this, just don't eat that tree, because if you eat of that tree, you'll die. And what does the devil say? He goes, hey, Why can't you eat of that tree? There's the thought. She goes, oh, well, because we'll die. And he goes, oh, you won't die. There's the contradiction. And that's where Eve went wrong. She didn't punish the contradiction back to what God said. What she should have said was, no, no, no. God said, we will die. You get out of here. But she didn't. She went, oh, okay. Eight of it. And what happened? Is there a stronghold in your life? So here's the question. What are you putting in your mind? (laughs) What's the focus of your mind? Your predominant thought will produce what's in your heart. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak, and life and death is in the power of your tongue. But what are you putting in your mind? What are you putting? What do you focus your mind on? Negativity, doubt, cynicism? I'll just talk about myself. I, I used to, well I still do, but I used to love rock music, like wow, loud and crazy. I used to listen to a band, my favorite band's name was called Disturbed. <laughs> Disturbed. Some of y'all are like, some of you fellas, like, yo, he likes disturbed. My pastor's so real. Another one I used to like, God smack. God smack. Sounds super uplifting, right? You know what I'm saying? I quit listening to all that crap because it's garbage. I'm not telling you it's a sin or anything. But are you going to discipline your mind? Let me tell you what my car is now. My car is filled with praise and worship and a dude named Charles Neiman. Amen. But no, let me take it a step further. What are you watching on TV? What are you reading on the internet? See, because what you're pouring into your mind will become your predominant thoughts. People used to make fun of me when I was a kid. They'd make fun of us because we weren't allowed to watch Disney movies. Some of you are like, You want to know why we weren't allowed? Because back then, all the Disney movies had witches. And they were scary. Also, the funny thing was that then we would go to Disneyland and I had no idea where I was at. (laughs) I remember one time, I was like six years old and my mom's all, Jared, look, it's Sleeping Beauty's castle. And I'm like, who's Sleeping Beauty? And why is she asleep? (laughs) Because if I had a castle, I wouldn't be taking a nap. I'd be having a mad party up up in there. We'd have jumping balloons. We'd have people running around all crazy. Why is she asleep in a castle? You want to go on the Cinderella ride? Like, who's Cinderella? And why isn't she wearing her shoes? That's gross. Put your shoes back on. It's dirty out here. That's disgusting. (laughs) And what's with these dwarf things? Who had the dwarfs? Snow White. I don't even know. <laughs> no, for, people would laugh at us and all that, but let me tell you this. To this day, I'm telling I won't watch suspense stuff. If you, they know me, like people who work here, they know all I watch is comedies and superhero movies. Because in the superhero movies, a good guy always wins, you know? But even for like 10 minutes, I'm like, oh, I don't like this. But it looks like they're not gonna win. I won't watch all the serious stuff. I won't watch horror movies. I definitely won't watch the stuff with the demons and all that. I'm messing around with that. You're not getting in my spirit. Amen. But let me tell you this. how people go, ha, ha, ha. "He doesn't watch Disney movies." You know what else I've never had is a nightmare. Never in my life have I had a nightmare. Amen. So people used to laugh I remember my friends would talk about being scared of something in their closet, something under the bed, some dude named the boogeyman. I didn't even know what they were talking about. I was like, the only thing under my bed is some toys and a Milky Way I'm hiding from my mom. (laughs) Like, what are you scared of? Why don't you just look under your bed, see if somebody's under there? Ain't nobody under there. Some crazy thing hiding behind your jacket? What are you talking about? So you can laugh at me, or you can build peace into your life. Look, I'm telling you, what's in your car? Why don't you make your car a place of God? And get the word of God flowing into your mind on your way to work. Get God's worship flowing into your spirit on the way to work. Instead of listening to something named disturbed, listen to Jesus Christ and his word and his worship and his praise. Instead of listening to something that says to smack God, listen to something that says to honor God that will build up the peace. What are you reading before you go to bed at night? You're watching the news and all that? Oh, Trump and Clinton and Russia, rah, rah, rah. why don't you turn it off and spend 20 minutes in the Bible and let the... and let the last thing you read be the word of God. And let your mind run wild at night on the word of God. Instead of running wild on the things that are against God, let your mind run wild on the peace of God. Let your mind run wild on God's goodness. Let your mind run wild on his favor, on his grace, on his wisdom. Why don't you wake up in the morning and instead of checking Facebook for 20 minutes, why don't you read the gospels of Jesus Christ and see what he says about your life. Instead of what Susie from down the street says. Who cares what they say? Can I take it one step further? What are you parents letting in your kids' minds? Can I tell you something? If Hollywood says your kid shouldn't see this if they are under 13, what are you doing taking your six-year-old? Guys, on their best day, Hollywood is crazier than all of us combined on our worst day. And they're saying, don't see this until you're over 17, and we're taking our 12 year old. And then we're wondering why the principal's calling us. We're taking our five year old, and then we're mad that they're standing in our room at two in the morning scared. Oh, I don't, I like it when he was talking about the brownies in the kitchen. Make me laugh again, Jared. (laughs) Look, you can either be disciplined enough to build peace into your mind and into your family's minds, or not. But you will deal with what you discipline your mind to focus on. So if you want to overcome, then overcome. Be disciplined. Be disciplined. Or don't, but then don't be mad at God. Amen? That got real. Go back to Philippians four, the worship team can come out. Also, that dude in the white Ford, you need to go move your car. <laughs> Here's the beautiful thing about God, is that then he just shows us what to do. It says finally, brethren, in verse eight, meditate on these things. Whatsoever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, and of good report. There you go, it's on the screen. He just says, focus on these things. I think it's amazing that the, I put the antonyms on the other side, but I think it's amazing that the first thing he says is to focus on whatsoever things are true. Why? Because it is the truth that does what? Sets you free. And what is the truth? The word of God. So many people live in panic and anxiety, depression, darkness, simply because the truth of the power of the Word of God is not dominating their mind, and they haven't disciplined their mind and brought those, and those negative thoughts, those false thoughts, into captivity to what Jesus has said, and they have allowed fear and panic and strongholds to get built in their life, and they live outside of peace, where peace is missing, instead of living in the fullness of God's peace." Look at the last thing where it says good report and the antonym is negative. Guys, there is so much negativity in the world. You don't have to be brilliant to know that there's negativity. All you have to do is be awake. But what are you gonna focus on? What are you gonna focus on? You know, the the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. One of the explanations of it is that you build your life on what is right about God and not what is wrong with the world. And it starts with your mind. And you gotta discipline your mind. Listen, we've laughed, we've kind of, you know, we've had a couple funny stories and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, God's peace has been given you to you to guard your heart and your mind. But it comes down to your participation. You must guard your heart, and you must discipline your mind. And the more you discipline your mind, the more your heart will be in line with the way God wants it to be, and it will produce out of your mouth his life. And out of your mouth comes life or death, and that is what you will live in. So I encourage you to commit with all your heart and soul to discipline your mind. And when the negative thoughts, the anti, the thought that contradicts the word of God comes in, you punish it. You punish it until the truth is exposed because the truth sets you free. Amen, stand to your feet. Are we gonna sing wonder? Yes. Okay, we're just gonna praise God for a minute. Amen, we're early, don't leave. Please don't leave, I'm gonna pray for you in a minute. Stay still. But we're just gonna praise God for a minute, and I just want you to give God glory for a couple minutes with a new song, come on. Amen, amen. Let's give God a great shout of praise. (laughs) Lift your hands towards heaven. Father, we wanna see the world your way. We wanna meditate on the right things. God, as we leave here today, I believe that your peace abounds towards us to guard our hearts and our minds. And Father, if there has been a stronghold built up in our minds that is robbing us of your peace, we ask you to expose it through your divine wisdom and show us how to punish it and bring it into captivity to what you say. We see the world in light. We see the world in grace. We see the world in gospel. We meditate on those things that are true and noble and reputable and dignified, God. And we thank you. That anxiety and depression and darkness will not rob us of the peace anymore. The peace which surpasses all understanding in Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Maybe you're here today. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. For information on teaching material or questions about our church, please visit us at ALFC.com.